In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. So, I struggle with this gospel. It is one of the longest gospels we read throughout the whole year. It's a gospel that is complicated, that has a lot of story to it, that has many actors, that deals with a variety of issues. But one thing caught my attention, that throughout this whole gospel, there is the shortest part that speaks of the miracle itself. Our Lord sees the man, he makes clay, he anoints his eyes, and he says to him, go and wash. And there's one sentence that says, so he went and washed and came back seeing. That was the whole miracle, encapsulated in one sentence. And yet the amount of drama and conspiracy and scandal and speaking that went on is what we remember. This is what occupied people. Who is he? How do you do it? Why do you do it? Is he a good man? Is he a bad man? Is he sinful? Is he evil? Is he from God or not? Does he have the authority or not? Should he have done this on the Sabbath or not? Should he have contravened the law of God or not? And they forgot the miracle. So he went and he washed and he returned seeing. And so quite often, this is the way our life goes. We see the works of God and yet the complexity and the scandal that goes around them makes us forget. We see a good person, someone maybe who had a sinful life and who returns. And the conversation starts. Has he really been forgiven? Has he confessed enough? Was Abuna vigilant enough? Is the church too relaxed? Is it too strict? Should it have accepted him? Should it not have accepted him? Should he have communion or not? And we forget that the kingdom of heaven rejoices over one sinner who returns. And so on and so forth. We make ourselves so busy with complexity that we forget the simplicity of God's work in our lives. Now, don't misunderstand me. It is absolutely miraculous, and only God can do it. But there is a simplicity about it. God loves us. God heals us. God saves us. God waits for us. That's the simplicity of it. It is utter, sheer brilliance. But we encase it with so much detail and complexity that we become obstacles for others and for ourselves. If we but had the simplicity of the eyes of God, the world would be a different place. Our Lord was walking past this man and they asked him, who sinned? Expecting a long philosophical, theological answer. He said, nobody. 
It's as simple as that. Nobody sinned. This has nothing to do with sin. This is that the glory of God may be seen in him. Just look at it at face value. You know, one of the things I find most difficult in what I do, I I love what I do, I love the pastoral element, I love being with people, I love the service. One of the most difficult things I find is when I get into a situation where there's a conflict and I have to dig and figure out where the truth is. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. Because we have to go into a level of complexity. We have to figure out, are people honest or dishonest? Are they telling the truth or not? Did this really happen? Did it not happen? And we have to go into a very different state of mind where we have to assess everything to the minute detail. Now, it's a necessity of life. We have to do it. But for God's sake, let us make that the exception, not the norm. Let us make the norm looking with the simple eyes of God who looks at the sinner and the repentant and the broken and looks with eyes to accept and to receive and to fix. How are you broken? It doesn't matter. Have you come back for me to be fixed? I will fix you. How complex was your sin? It doesn't matter. Are you repentant? Have you come to confess? Are you sorry? Will you do all you can never to go back? That's all I need to know. The simplicity of God is the answer to the question of salvation. We ask ourselves, what about people who don't know God? What about infants? What about people who are away? What about people who never had an opportunity? The answer is, we don't know. What we know is this, the simplicity of God and his intention that all who are called to him and who accept the call are saved. And that he is a fair God who will never judge beyond a person's understanding and who will never put a burden on someone beyond what that person can bear. You see, we complicate our own lives. What we have in the church, in its rules, in its sacraments, is supposed to be liberation. The Eucharist, we are here gathered around the Eucharist today. We are here to celebrate the Eucharist today and be part of it and partake of it. So how exactly does it become body and blood? We don't know. What we do know is we pray asking the Holy Spirit to descend and change this bread and this wine into the body and blood that is there for our salvation. And we are told by our Lord that we do this in remembrance of him, and so that we be continually united to him. 
Believe me, no matter how many theses are written, no matter how many studies are made, no matter how many intellectuals or theologians speak to it, we don't know. And we will never know. Because how do you change bread and wine into body and blood? How do we, being human, who hold on to pain and suffering, how do we understand how it is plausible that we can go to God and say to Him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. And before we can continue the word, he falls on our neck and embraces us. He covers our nakedness. He gives us sonship and daughtership once again. How do we, as mere broken humans who hold a grudge, understand that? We don't. But it is the reality. Today's gospel is just an indication. It's an indication of how we can take a beautiful thing and scandalize it. This is a man who sat and who begged, who was met by our Lord. He wasn't a king or a ruler. He wasn't of any influence. He was a blind beggar. And yet the Lord of Lords and the God of Gods stopped stopped. There were only three years of ministry and yet he stopped for this man that the glory of God be revealed in him. That is a beautiful thing. How do we then take something so beautiful and scandalize it and pollute it and manipulate it and weaponize it so that it becomes a way that we can condemn not only the one who was blind already, but the one who committed and performed the miracle. Our mindset must change. We must think and feel with the mind and the heart of God, who looks at the slightest opportunity to reveal his glory and works through it, who looks at the slightest chance of giving hope and gives it. Who looks at the slightest moment of restoring life and restores it. This is our God. He is a God of solutions, not of problems. He is a God of healing, not of sickness. He is a God of life, not of death. And in that context, we have hope in Him. Not only that we can be recipients of His grace and His miracles, but that we can look and think and feel like Him and look at others the way He looks at us and at them. And be a conduit of His glory, not His condemnation be a conduit of his healing and of his hope. So today as we pray, let us lift up our hearts and give thanks to God who stopped for all of us as humanity. We were all that man born blind because we were all born with that sin and he stopped for all of us. 
And as he made clay, he made himself into humanity and took that humanity and came. And as he told him to wash, he sent us into the baptismal font that we may be cleansed and reborn. And as he came back seeing, so do we return alive who were once dead. We give thanks for that. Remember it daily. And we hold on to that promise that he will never abandon us. He is our hope. He is our light. And he is our life. And glory be to God forever.